they'll never get. We, I feel bad each week um, um, equating us with rodents, <laughs> but, but we chase carrots. We chase things on this, on this wheel that's never going anywhere, and we're, we're looking to get it, and, 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 and we, we go after it. We think, oh, if, if I only get it, everything will be good. If, if, I, if I can just get to that carrot out there, everything's going to be fixed. Everything's going to be fine. Um, we, we find that, you know, if I get that, everything will be happy. If I, if I can't get it, then things are going to be bad. And it's this mentality that we, 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 we live with. We, we may be in this endless treadmill or this exercise wheel and find that, well, you know, as much as we think we, that's going to fix things, we ultimately find that it's never enough. It won't fix it. And yet we keep going on the, on the wheel to try to chase after that carrot of something that really won't deliver We've talked in this series, and this it's been a it's been a challenging series for me, and I and I've really sensed that that God has been working in our midst um, through it. But we've talked about chasing after carrots like money and stuff, chasing after things like fame, chasing after last week things like like perfection, and and the the the, the message that I thought was gonna you know be the least interesting seemed right from the very beginning. You guys were just hearing um, nudges from the Spirit to, uh, to dig into that truth. Um, we, we chase after these things. Um, next week, we're going to talk about this, this endless pursuit of comfort. Um, really, ultimately, um, I, I trust to find that, it, that it's impossible to live a life of faith and pursue comfort at the same time. And today, today we're going to dig into what, what I was, I don't know if I was dreading, but I, was, I knew it was going to be um, really um, impactful for me as I dug into the preparation for it. The, the carrot of approval. How we search for approval in our, in our world. Will you please like me? Will, will you kind of endorse who I am? Will you accept me? Will you affirm me? And it's really this battle of trying to please God, I'm sorry, battle of trying to please people instead of pleasing God. And it's this battle that's being waged inside many of us, this carrot of approval. Um, so as I have um, in many of the weeks, kind of asked you a question to get started. I was a little startled with your response last week because I wasn't thinking anyone would have any connection to it, and so many of you did. But what if I were to ask you this morning, how many of you think you might just care a little too much about what other people think? Go ahead. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's... it's I mean, that's not surprising. Um, what's always surprising for us is how willing we are to be honest in front of other people, and that's powerful when we're together um, as God's family. Um, psychologist and author Harriet Breaker um, 
coined a phrase that you've probably heard. You're familiar with this phrase. It's the phrase, the disease to please. You heard that? Yeah. She says that, that the disease to please is actually a form of an addiction. She says, like a drug addict seeks drugs, people pleasers seek approval. So how do we know if we fall into that? How do we know if this, this really connects with us? As we kind of did last week, I want to give you kind of three things that, that, that kind of define it. And you might find yourself in one or more of these, these, these areas. These are three problems that people pleasers battle. If you want to keep track, there's space on the back of the bulletin. But there are three problems, at least, that people pleasers battle. And um, the first is that you obsess about what other people think. You obsess about what other people think. You know, I wonder what they think of my outfit. What do they think of my, my car? What do they think of the music I listen to? Is, what, do they, what do people think of my house? What, what do people think of my hair? Am, I mean, am I cool enough? Or, or, hey, are we okay? You didn't quite respond to my text as soon as I would think you're supposed to respond to my text. Are we okay? Everything fine? Um, for me, um, the, 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 I am most vulnerable to this after a message. You, know, you stand in front of people and it's like, you know, you, you just, your brain's going, I wonder how I did. I wonder if I offended anybody. I wonder how, if it was effective. When, you know, when you go home and you, 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 you pretend to not care, but... Uh, you know, you, you listen for little clues or whatever. That's when I'm vulnerable to this. Did I do okay? So a people pleaser is one who obsesses about what other people think. There's, there's another problem that, that would identify you if you fell into this, and that is that you're overly sensitive to criticism. You're overly sensitive to criticism. Um, you know, your supervisor uh, makes a suggestion. And in that is, is un, you unpack this one negative comment. And you kind of miss the whole suggestion because the one negative comment sets you off. The one negative comment just, you, you fall apart because of it. People may give you a hundred positives about something you did. And one person says something maybe not so positive about what you did. What do you think you focus on? You obsess, you, you, you hone in on that one negative thing um, in your world, and you really struggle with that. So you're often, a people pleaser is often overly sensitive to criticism. A third problem that a people pleaser faces is you have a hard time saying no. You just have a hard time saying no um, because you want to avoid conflict. You want to avoid conflict at all costs. And so you don't want to hurt someone's feelings if they ask you to, to do something or to buy something. I mean, this is a tough time of year for, these, for you people that fall into this one. I mean, the scouts are selling cookies, they're selling popcorn, they're selling vegetables at school, they're selling this and that. And I've got magazines that I can't stop. 
my magazines have been coming for three years. I can't stop them because someone in our house can't say no to those magazines. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm not throwing Lori under the bus. I don't know where they come from. They just keep piling up because we don't want to say no. That's a hard thing for some of us. Some of us, the people pleaser here, you've gone to an event that you dread because you were unwilling to say, no, I don't really want to go to that person. You didn't want to hurt their feelings. Or, or you're overcommitted. You're, 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 you're so busy. And someone asks if you can help with something, and you know you are drowning. And what do you say? Oh, sure, yeah, I'd be glad to. Sure. Because you're, you're, you're too concerned about what that person would think. And so these are just some common problems that, that a people pleaser is going to have. So, let's go to what I want to be kind of a foundational reference or passage for us today. It's found in the book of Proverbs. You don't need to go there, but the verse, is, um, verse goes like this. Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man proves to be a snare. Let's stop there. This word snare... In the Hebrew, the, the Hebrew for that word is malkash, malkash. And the, the Hebrew word is describing what is like a, 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 a noose, a simple little wire, not wire at that time, but a, a, a vine of some sort, that like a slip knot, you know, if an animal steps in it, it tightens around it, a leg, a, a noose, a, a snare. But it also equally describes this malkesh, um, the, the word for the hook you might put in an animal's nose. And I, all week I obsessed about this. You're going to pull your nose and it's just going to get even bigger than it already is. So don't do that, but I'm going to do it anyway because you will never forget it now. Um, just imagine this hook being placed in an animal's nose so that there's complete control over that animal. And think about you and I being pulled around through life with a fear of what other people think. Ah, that's an image I'm not going to forget. Fortunately, Solomon in his wisdom gives us some good news in the second half of this verse. It says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Well, um, as we dig into this, I've been kind of comfortable this week because I was like, you know, I don't have a problem with any of this. This doesn't really impact me. You know, what I said earlier was really not true. I'm just, you know, and I, I wanted to find a way to really prove it to you that this has no bearing on me. I'm willing to show you this. Okay. That is a wig. That is a dress. Um, those are balloons inappropriately placed. Um, I have no worries about you seeing your pastor in a dress, okay? I mean, think about it. How many churches today have their pastor in a dress on the screen? And 
that really wasn't my concern. My concern was how hideous I look and how distracted you'll be for, and scarred basically for life. Um, um, yeah, so, um, um, the reality is not that I really don't care what you think. Um, the reality is it, it really demonstrates um, a teenager doing anything for attention. Some of you know I'm a, a, a son. I'm the youngest of five. Um, pretty high-achieving family of boys. Constantly the youngest being beat down to the pulp, but constantly trying to live up to the approval of older brothers. Getting into school and doing whatever you can for approval and to be liked. Um, to this pinnacle of, of, uh, of uh, focus of approval. I don't know if it was the pinnacle, but certainly that's not too appealing. And just so you know, there are other pictures of me dressed up like this, which I've, this picture I figured I'd pull out because about three or four years ago, Kelly Swingley wanted me to know she had blackmail on me. Um, a good friend of hers graduated with me um, in high school, and that friend sent her this picture of her pastor. And fortunately, Kelly, as far as I know, has only shared that with me just to let me know. <laughs> um, but um, uh, this is a, a, a teenager doing anything for approval. I sought approval constantly. And so in a, in a class of almost 400, I was the class clown. And that was my identity. So I can easily be overly concerned with what people think about me. In fact, I probably should have opened the message with, Hi, I'm Ted Smith, and I am a recovering approval addict. There's some truth to that, for sure. So, again, all right, let's get that picture off the screen right now. I'll lose you for the rest of it. Fearing what people think is a trap. Fearing what people think, it's this snare. And, and the reality is, it's not to be taken lightly. And, and I don't mean to, with this kind of humor and, and idiotic pictures, to, to make light of this in any way. I do it to get your attention because fear of what other people think can be overly destructive in our faith. And just like the previous carrots that we've looked at, um, there's a commonality here that, that we kind of, in some ways, talking about relational issues. We're talking about maybe psychological issues like last week and this week. But, but ultimately, I believe that they go beyond those and that these carrots really are spiritual issues. And that's how we're going to attack this from here on out, okay? Pastor Greg Groeschel said this, and I put this on social media this week because I really thought it uh, would set up where we're going to go today. 
Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the fastest way to forget what God thinks about you. Does that make sense? I mean, that's why we as believers need to have a different goal. Instead of living for the approval of people, and, and frankly, it's something that's impossible to obtain, instead of living that way, we want to live for God. And we want to live for God alone. We want to live for Him, for His will, for His glory, for His purposes to come in our life. And when the approval of other people is there, it gets in the way of all of that. So, I want to dig into a particular, a couple verses I want to share this morning. Um, first is something Paul said to the Galatian church. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul really boldly declares this. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Let's think about this. I'm, 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 um, the word obviously gets my attention on this. I mean, obviously. That's a, it's frankly a stunning word to put in this statement. Obviously, but there's a reason Paul could use this word obviously. I mean, remember for many of us, remember that that Paul used to be the chief accuser of Christians. He used to kill Christians. That was his thing. And so Paul at this time is saying, obviously, because he now is shunned by his former peer group. He's shunned by these people who still want to deny Christians everything. Paul is imprisoned over and over for speaking on behalf of Christ not caring what the government or, or other, the opposition would say. Obviously, and he, he's one who's shipwrecked and, and left for dead. So obviously, he wasn't living for the approval of people, right? Well, here's the problem. I don't think it's that obvious for most of us. I don't think we could say that verse. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. That's the challenge for me today. Is a, he, he throws this word obviously in there to get my attention. There's a note here at the end of this verse. It says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. You know, I think what he's saying there is, you can't please people and God. It's one or the other. He's clarifying this for us, I think. You can't do both. And frankly, for me, I would say, obviously, that's the way most of us live. Trying to keep a foot in both camps. Pleasing others and trying to please God. So I want to get real about this this morning. I want to dig into this in ways that would make you uncomfortable, make me uncomfortable. Um, because 
I think for so many of us, it's easy to say, I'm living for God. Yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm living for Him. But I think it's completely different to say, I'm going to serve Jesus. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I mean, this culture wires us completely different than that. We all want to fit. We all, everybody's, we can't offend anyone. And I don't think it's scriptural to live with our feet in both camps. So today I want to talk about two things that I trust will go with you this week to, to dig into, to work on, as they've uh, been challenging me all week long. I want to give you two facts about the disease to please. Two things to kind of examine in your life, two things to keep in the back of your mind, two things to shape your life by. And the first is this. People-pleasing is a form of idolatry. People-pleasing is a form of idolatry. This goes back to what I was saying before. I really believe it's more of a spiritual problem than a relational problem. Last week I talked about um, Jesus um, talking about the law and we, we, were, we, were, we, we spent a bunch of time talking about what the law's purpose was to reveal how sinful we are. But he was talking to an audience that would have included religious leaders and, and those leaders were expected to live up to 613 Levitical laws. And then we you know, we could boil that down to, well, there are these Ten Commandments. If you boil it all down, here are Ten Commandments that are, are given to us. Well, what's the first commandment? Thou shalt not have any other gods. No other gods before me. What's that? That's idolatry. Idolatry. Put placing anything else before our God. And I know you're like, hey, pastor, that's not me. I don't have a closet with a little statue. I don't have a little Buddha figure hidden somewhere that I kneel down and worship to. That's not what we're getting at when we talk about idols. I remember my grandfather, um, he was a big deal in the Masons. Um, in, in Greater Rochester. Um, I mean, he used to run the auditorium theater and, uh, and the building connected to it. They owned that whole thing. And I remember as a kid, anyone remember the Irish Rovers? <laughs> We're going back now. I remember being backstage with my grandfather running the Irish Rover. Irish, is that what they were? Irish Rovers? The show I was making. But he would always drive around, and I can still see it today, with this little statue on the dashboard of his car. This was the royal potentate. And, and this dude was to be worshipped or at least you know, keep, kept before you as a really important figure. And, and my grandfather was a traveling salesman, so he spent his life on the road staring at this little idol, in essence, on his dashboard. And I know when I say idolatry that we kind of we don't think we ever would fit in that. But again, remember, idolatry is putting something 
before God. And what we're referring to today is when we put people before God. When we put what people think about us before God. Scripture speaks, I want to remind you, Scripture talks about God being a jealous God. He longs for um, to be the sole source, as a jealous God, to be the sole source of our affection, of our identity. Of, of, he wants to be the sole source of our love, to be the sole source of our thoughts. He's a jealous God. And in reality, people-pleasing, if you really think about it, we're asking people to meet a need that they can't meet. In fact, I want to dig into another passage here in John chapter 12. Um, I, think, um, I think Jesus showed this particular truth clearly here in John 12. I want to just give you some context. Um, so Jesus, by this time, had... had um, performed an incredible amount of miracles. Um, certainly, um, many of them were, were uh, related to health. Um, he'd, he'd heal withered arms and, and legs, and um, he'd, he'd heal blindness. Um, he even brought people back from the dead. And, you know, to get people's attention right out of the bat, he turned water into wine. Yet, in this moment... Um, there were still these Jewish leaders who would refuse to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. So Jesus is saying this specifically to the Pharisees, the leaders of the day. But because of the Pharisees, they, they would not openly acknowledge their faith. Would, I'm sorry, would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. They loved the approval of people more than living for God. That's, that's what idolatry is. Now, it doesn't start with a statue on your dashboard. It doesn't start with some figurine in your closet. It starts with the little stuff. It starts with laughing at something you shouldn't have laughed at. It starts with exaggerating to feel like you look better. I mean, it starts with compromising your values somewhere along the way. It starts with doing something to impress people. It starts with lying, even a little white lie, just to save face. It starts with the little stuff. It's not the statue in the closet or on your dashboard. It starts with when you hide your faith at the office or in the neighborhood. It starts with when the Lord sets you up with an opportunity for someone who desperately needs to know truth that you are unwilling to even admit that you're a Jesus follower because you are so overly concerned with what they'll think. We notice, we, we, we end up caring more about them than we care about him. And it's a hard truth, I get it, um, that people-pleasing is a form 
of idolatry. And that's what I want you to take away today, number one. Secondly, though, I really want you to, everyone, to, to absorb this second truth that we're going to look at, a fact about the disease to please, because this one is actually good news. I ain't come beating you up on this one. This is great news I'm about to share with you. And that is, the approval of God sets us free from the disease to please. The approval of God sets us free from the disease to please. Pastor Chris Beale says it this way. It's the key that releases you from the prison of approval. And it liberates you from the bondage you live in. I mean, that's how incredible the approval of God over your life is for you. Um, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, um, so remember Paul and Silas and Timothy went on this missionary trip to the city of Thessalonica. And ultimately finding that, that the church was healthy, even though they were going, undergoing an awful lot of oppression, Paul writes this letter back to the church in Thessalonica, and he says this, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. We're not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. So I want you to consider this morning how freeing that kind of mindset is. How liberating that mindset can be in your life. My prayer is this morning you can allow that to truly sink down deep into your soul. That we can't please people all the time, no matter how hard we try. I mean, the reality is, you, you please one group, and then another group's disappointed. And then you kind of get it all right, and you, and you start doing things to please that group, and then that group changes their mind on what they think is right or wrong. You can go chasing and drive yourself senseless trying to please people. But we can't please everyone, but the good news is we can please God. We could please him. Because of what Christ did for us, we're forgiven. And that changes everything in our life. And I, I pray that this morning that you will um, accept this life-changing truth. I mean, this truth that we're going to dig into just a little bit more before we leave, this truth will set you free. So that God doesn't just love you, he accepts you. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. You know the difference? He doesn't just love you. He approves of you. Think about it. That your worth isn't based on what people think about you. Oh my goodness. How freeing is that? Your worth is based on what God thinks about you. So as we conclude today, that's where we're going to focus.
What does God think about you? And, and how do you do that? How do you, how do you focus on, on what God thinks about you? I think it's found um, as we speak God's word into our life. Scripture talks about this, to, to speak his word into the depths of your life. Um, and, and you know what happens when you do that? Um, basically, what, what's happening when you're speaking his word into your life, it's an act of war. It's an act of warfare. And that's why Scripture tells us we're given these weapons, we're given this armor, we're given the sword of the Spirit. That's God's word, the sword of the Spirit. And, and all of all these weapons, there's only one that's an offensive weapon, offensive weapon, and that's the sword of the Spirit. Reading, breathing God's word into your life. So that's where I want to go as we conclude today. What does God say you are? What does God say about you? And I know many of us know the scriptures or these scriptures I'm going to share with you that are very familiar. I know we know those. I know, I know we've heard them many times. But we don't live like it. This morning as I read some of these things that God thinks about you love and and. and and his approval over your life. My prayer is that it goes from the knowledge in our head that it can drop 18 inches or so into our hearts, into our souls. Hear that the Lord says to you that you are a new creation in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. That, that the old's passed away and the new has come that your past does not define you anymore. Hear this morning that you are forgiven and your sins are washed away. As you have surrendered your life to the truth of who Jesus is, for those here today who are in Christ that have offered their life to Jesus, that you get to say that it's new. Your sin is washed away. Your, your life is not defined by your past any longer. And know that that what Jesus says about you is that you are more than a conqueror. You've never felt like a conqueror in your life, but Scripture reminds you that you are and speak it into your life. That when you have the power of Christ living in you, you can defeat any enemy of the King. I know there's someone here that needs to hear this. But Scripture says that you are God's masterpiece. There are those here today that have never heard a sweet thing said about them. Things that have been spoken into your life, maybe by a parent or others along the way, have only been words of destruction and words that have torn you down. But here today, what God thinks of you, written in his word, is that you are a masterpiece. You're created in his image. Hear what God says about you in Matthew 5, that you're the light of the world. You're like, no, I'm not the light. When you have the light of Jesus in your life, you can shine and illuminate darkness. The light of Christ shining through you. How about this, folks? 
you maybe have not felt very powerful in your life. If you're a believer here in Jesus today, you have within your life the very same power that raised Christ from the dead. Are you kidding? That's the kind of power that every believer in Christ has in their life today. Hear that. Know that. Remind yourself of that as you speak the Word of God into your life. Know this, that as a believer in Jesus, you are not just a friend of Jesus. You're not just his creation. You are a joint heir with Christ this morning. Be reminded that, that you're just not on the periphery, but you are an heir to God the Father as a believer in Jesus. Accept that approval of who you are over your life today. That... that that you, as we said a few weeks ago, are Christ's ambassador. You're the highest ranking official here right now, representing heaven to earth. You are his ambassador. Whether you feel like you know much Bible or not, you, with Jesus in your life, are the highest ranking official here on earth representing him. Know that today, as a believer in Jesus, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, we read in 2 Corinthians 5. Know today that you are greatly loved by God. This morning, I want to encourage you to embrace that, to hold on to it, to, to not let it just be some more knowledge for you this morning, but to let it overcome you this morning. That you can't please everyone, but you can please God. And because of Christ, he approves of you and you, you are his. When you believe this truth, and you can then declare this truth, and as you declare this truth, you are now living this truth. And it may be said of you that obviously, I don't live for the approval of people, just like Because I'm his, I'm not going to obsess what people think. I'm not going to worry about what they think about the kind of car I drive because I believe I want to honor God with my money. And so I don't live debt. I want to live debt free. And so I don't care what they think about what I drive. I'm honoring him. Because I belong to Jesus, I'm going to address problems with grace. And I'm not going to be afraid of conflict as Jesus is my guide. Because I'm accepted, I'm going to say yes to what God wants in my life and for my life. And I'm going to be completely okay with saying no to the things he doesn't want me to do. Because I'm accepted by him, no one is going to steal my joy. I'm not going to let that happen. No one can talk me out of my purpose. No one can stop me from doing God's will. The fear of man proves to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. I want to invite you to just kind of get, get on your own, get by yourself, take some moments to consider what
God is saying this morning? I mean, how will you change as a result of hearing these words from God this morning? How will you change as a result of his word being spoken into your life? How will it change the, the way you conduct yourself each day? How can you reflect even all week long about people-pleasing and being a form of idolatry? Is the Lord illuminating some areas in your life right now? How can this week be different? And how will things change as you begin to live out of the approval of God in your life? I want to encourage you that if you find yourself in that place and you want to begin to make some adjustment, that, that this morning God's word has reminded you of some places where people-pleasing has become too important for you. I would invite you to just wave your hand and say, I want to I change this week. I want to start working on it this week. Yeah, go ahead. I want to pray for you. Anyone else? Keep going. I want to begin to make some adjustments in my life this week about the approval of people. Anyone else? Go ahead. Raise it up. That's great. For, for you, I want to offer something also real tangible. Pastor Sandy is going to be doing a group in a few weeks specifically about the things we talked about last week, about perfection and how that impacts us and this issue of approval. And we do a book study on the search for significance because so many of us struggle with it. I want to encourage you, if you have any interest at all in that, just use your connection card and talk about book study or Pastor Sandy and we'll have her connect with you. And there are others here today who who they hear these words out of this ancient book that they don't know much about, the Bible, and it really gets your attention. Things like being told that you're a masterpiece, that there's an approval you can live under from your creator. These are foreign concepts to you, and so I want to invite you today, if you've never placed your trust into, the, into um, Jesus, into um, uh, to begin to live in a relationship with your creator, God. To accept the truth of God's son dying for you on the cross and defeating death. On, on Easter we celebrate that. That this morning you want to turn from that and you want to embrace this truth and you want to begin to authentically do the best you can to live for who Jesus is and not living for yourself or for the crowd or for others. You want to be relieved of that stress and pressure. Then I invite you this morning to, to just say these words. If it's authentic in your heart, say them to your creator, God. My God, I want to turn from my control. I want to, as best I can, turn to the path that you have for me. I, I don't understand all this, but I do understand that you offer me a love that I could never experience. You offer me a way that is, is authentic from one who has created me from the beginning of time. So Lord, I want to put my trust in you this morning. If you're one of the people in that group this morning, I invite you to just wave your hand at me real quick because I want to um, I want to give you something. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, just, uh, just go ahead and look at me or give me a wave because I want to give you something. 
great. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word that changes us, that we can speak your word into our life. Lord, I ask that you would um, remind us of these truths this week and that the approval of people will not get between our true desire to be that we live out of your approval and to long for your approval each day and to be looking to um, do as you've guided, to not be so easily manipulated by the world and by the people around us. Lord, it's a hard step to take, but with your strength, it can be done. We offer this to you to remind us even this week. And Lord, as we gather now to, to give back to you through an offering, through connection cards, through tithes, through special offerings that you've impressed upon us. Take these gifts, Lord. Use them for your purpose, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.